Hello, listeners. Welcome back to the pod. We have got Andrew Quinn on the show today. He's been on our pod a few times as well in the past. Uh, Andrew, welcome back, buddy. Hi, hi, mate. How are you going, Jess? Good. Are you still uh, an investment consultant? Uh, yeah, still doing a bit of part-time work as an investment consultant. Uh-huh. Um, back in uh, about 2004, I wrote a book about uh, that ended up getting published on trading in the US market. And then I worked for a large broking firm as uh, doing strategy and portfolio construction for them um, for about 10 years. Then I was working as a fund manager for a while. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then managed to have a stroke and sort of took me out of the game for a while. So I've been mm-hmm. learning to walk again, <laughs> walk and talk, basically, mate. Yeah, um, I'm sure you're covering well, buddy. That's good. Uh, thank you. I must say that I'm also surrounded by a combination of a big German Shepherd dog, big German Shepherd dog, and uh, a lot of tradesmen that, who are building onto my house at the moment. So it's not sort of very conducive to quietness. So if uh, all hell breaks loose, that's the reason. No, that's fine. We love dogs on this pod. (laughs) That's cool. All right. Uh, But look, thanks for jumping on, Andrew. Uh, It's been been fairly long time and we had you on our show. I think it's been more than a year now. Um, And since then, obviously, a lot has happened, especially towards the start of this year. I was really keen to have your take from a listener's perspective on... Uh, how do you see markets in 2022, especially after the some of the announcements from the Fed um, on possible policy changes? So, yeah, sure. yeah. Do you wanna do you wanna maybe start with that? Give your give your thoughts, and then we'll drill down. Yeah, I guess it's it's still a pretty interesting market. I still see plenty of opportunities out there. Mm-hmm. If we have a look at sort of valuations in the market, though, and I'll concentrate on the US uh, market at the moment. So if we look at the S&P 500, it's on a price earnings ratio at the moment of about 25.57. Mm-hmm. Okay, it's an average of 15.96. Mm-hmm. If we take the S&P 500 and look at price to sales, it's about 2.97 at the moment. The average is 1.65. Mm-hmm. And say so if we look at the Buffett ratio against the Wilkshire of 5,000, which is against, say, US GDP, that's at about 200% at the moment, and 80 is the normal percentage. So if you just took those traditional measures of the US market, you'd have to say by traditional measures, the market's overvalued. And of course, there's a lot of commentary saying, Oh, waiting for a crash and the market's going to pull back and the mm. market's overvalued, which on those traditional measures, yes, it definitely is overvalued. However, and this is the key key point here, we're, we're heading into one of the greatest technological change periods, a merger of new technology periods um, that's ever happened in history. And so while the I think the, the best way to sort of look at the market is there's rather than look at it on a sector basis is look at it on the disruptor disruptors and the companies that are about to be disrupted and sort of think of it like that. So you could see the market start to split into those new age companies that can make the most of this new technology change. And um, on the upside and on the downside, those companies that are sort of continuing their traditional way of doing business, and in the old world, those kind of companies are going to end up with a lot of 
stranded assets. Mm-hmm. Assets that are simply not worth very much now because they're just technologically obsolete. Mm-hmm. So I think that's a better way to look at the market rather than rather than saying, oh, okay, it's going to pull back. Part mm-hmm. of it will pull back for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, but another part of it, I think, will continue to go and surprise on the upside. Mm-hmm. If we concentrate mostly on the US market, Jazz, because, um, of course, the Australian market tends to follow the US uh, market pretty closely. Mm-hmm. So give uh, just for better understanding, when you say that there's uh, with the technology mergers, there will be a few disruptions where some of the incumbents will probably get disrupted. Uh, can you give an example? Yeah, sure. Look, I think um, one, I'll try and give an example um, in, say, the Australian market. Okay, mm-hmm. so, so one of the best areas to invest in will continue to be the resources of minerals area. Now, if you look at technology application in that area, um, I was reading the other day that uh, Caterpillar, I think, has now 500 operating autonomous whole packs already operating in the world market. Um, and companies like Fortescue are, are, are going into this new automation of mining and um, automation and electrification of mining Um trucks and haul packs. Now that should reduce labor costs, expand margins and reduce their costs. So they should get larger margins, those mining, big end mining companies. I still think it's a good place. Some people might say, well, it's already moved. I don't think so. I think it's still got a long way to go, particularly in places like Australia. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one example of where technologies sort of going to impact benefit sort of the old world resources stocks. On the other side, you know, you can see the EV revolution that's going to severely damage some of the big companies like BMW, um, probably GM, maybe Ford can move with it. Um, what probably happens in that market is the EV market winds up dominated by a combination of Tesla and Chinese makes. And that's mm-hmm. only starting to come through. Mm-hmm. Um, I'll give you a good example of that. Like, you know, a few years ago, you'd, you'd sort of catch the bus into the city and you'd see one or two, you know, smartphone users, mm-hmm. you know, and the people in the broking world, they'd say, oh, they'll never beat, you know, BlackBerry. BlackBerry's got a little, uh, you know, keyboard on it. Mm-hmm. I mean, these new iPhones, they're just toys. You'll never use those. Mm-hmm. And you know, a few a few months ago by, and then you'd see a few more and a few more, and then eventually, of course, everyone on the bus has got a a smartphone, and that's just normal now. Except there was still a lot of comments early on about how they were just toys. Mm-hmm. Now you look at it, EVs. What what happened with that? People started off going, they're just toys, and the old traditional manufacturers like, no, we don't need to change to do anything with that. Well, I'll give you an example in Perth. Mm-hmm. probably a couple of years ago you go for a drive and you might see one tesla you know i went for a drive yesterday to go and buy uh, a door for my uh, building on and you know on during that drive which i suppose went to three quarters of an hour you know i saw four teslas you know mm-hmm. uh, much more common and so the next thing we'll see from teslas is a lot more chinese companies china is the biggest electric car market Mm-hmm. They're very well positioned, both for lithium and um, 
um, inputs into the market and also they're well supported too um, in terms of volume market, in terms of being able to produce big volumes. And mm. they'll start off domestically as they're doing and then they'll move towards uh, Europe and Australia and other, other global EV markets. So you can see it's another area that's being disrupted in all the related um, mm. things. I mean... Just one point, just people go, oh, well, it'll be slowed down because there's just not enough lithium in the world. Mm -hmm. um, it's very important. I don't hear this said enough, but if you, if you look at lithium iron phosphate batteries, on average, mm -hmm. the value of lithium in those um, batteries is about 4%, four percent of the value of the entire battery. So... Mm -hmm you can see it's only a relatively small percentage of the total, you know, cost of the battery. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I, I mean, lithium could continue to get price squeezed as the traditional companies that need to move in into EVs are, mm -hmm. um, are going to be desperate for this lithium and the new companies as well um, want lithium. And so, um, you know, if you move the price from sort of costing 4% in a battery to costing, eight percent you wouldn't sort of say well we're closing down the battery mm -hmm. factory we, you just go we'll mm -hmm. just buy pay up pay up you know mm -hmm. get the lithium we need it you know yeah. and uh, i think it's not appreciated in these people saying uh you know lack of lithium will slow down the um slow down the move to ev so mm -hmm. so it sort of that part reminds me very much of the move to to iphones also um or smartphones also people say well it'll take 20 years to swap the market over but what tends to happen if you look traditionally at new changes in technology they go through a long sort of slow sideways deceptive period and then they get taken up on a sort of exponential basis they really rock it up mm -hmm. as it becomes clearly obvious that the old technology is gone mm -hmm. and the new technology is here and of course, companies start to spend more on developing the new technology and forget about the old technology. So the new technology gets better and better. Mm -hmm. The reason I'm taking a bit of time, Jazz, to sort of explain that is that that's the way to look at the market. You know, in many areas, say you've got a, let's take a simple thing. Say you've got a, a company that picks up rubbish, you know, for your suburb. Mm -hmm. Now, if that company can transition to, an automated rubbish truck or is working on that Volvo already has one. Mm -hmm. um, then you've got a company that might have considerable upside because it could get rid of most of its labor costs. Mm -hmm. However, if that same company is saying, no, that's 20 years away. We don't need to do that. Mm -hmm. That's a waste of time. Never going to happen. It's probably a company going to avoid. Mm -hmm. And you've seen that occur, you know, with companies like Fortescue just recently where they're, gone right into all these driverless trucks, you know. Mm -hmm. Now, I think the important thing for investors is to keep an open mind on AI, the move to electrification, automation. You know, people sort of go, oh, it'll never happen, it'll never happen, it's years away, but it's actually closer than you think. Mm -hmm. and, and you've seen it before, you know, iPhones are just toys, EVs are just toys. Uh -huh. you know, automation will never happen. Well, you start off on the off-road, you know, haul packs and you go fully automated and then you'll end up on, on road. You know, it'll happen faster than you think.
Mm-hmm. So I think that's the way to look at it rather than going, okay, I want to invest in the XYZ sector. Mm-hmm. So that's a, that's an interesting take. EV revolution is obviously very well known. It's been talked about a lot, right? Yeah. And we are seeing it firsthand even with the example that you gave of Tesla on road. Same thing over here in Melbourne as well. Um, yeah. But uh, with the... Do you, do you think that, that there's a bit of a rotation going on in the growth uh, was the value stocks where growth stocks in the last month or so and EV revolution most mo- uh, mainly comes under the growth stocks uh, where most of these um, stocks are being hammered due to the uh, Fed policy, possible policy changes, uh, which is the yeah. UT and the interest rates. Uh, do you see that rotation um, happening, which means that some of these EV revolution stocks or the stocks that or the companies that play within the EV space would actually suffer as well? Or do you still see them do, yeah, do you still I, see them to be performing? I mean you, you saw a lot of technology in particularly in the US, even in Australia, really run high and then it's pulled back in the recent months. Mm-hmm. I if I had to bet on that, and I am betting on that, I think it will turn back up again. Mm-hmm. I, I think um, the market will rotate back into technology, back into growth. And the opportunities are just too big to ignore. Mm-hmm. You can say, okay, I'll look for a better opportunity. But what is a better opportunity than a complete, you know, the, the biggest change in the way we move ourselves around in sort of 100 years probably, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's not something you want to walk away from, it's particularly when EVs are probably, well, they were a short while ago, about 2% of the market. I think they're, depending on what market you want to look up, Mm-hmm. probably on a global basis, about 7% now, much higher in places like uh, China and uh, Norway, of course. But if you look at it globally, mm-hmm. that market's really only just getting going. And then to say, okay, well, inflation's a bit high and they'll move interest rates up a bit and that will affect all that market and people will no longer buy EVs, um, I just don't think it's right. If we talk if we look at the inflation situation, which is about a bit over 7% in the US and meant to be 2.3% in Australia, I mean, having said that, that's grossly under what it actually is, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think anyone really believes it. The um, Fed will have to move and probably the RBA to, to lift interest rates because it just kept rates too long for too low, mm-hmm. um, too low for too long, you know. Um, so, but there's all sorts of commentary that there's going to be up to seven interest rate rises in 22 um, from the um, Fed, and you've got COVID around. I think on balance, you may see them very conservatively say do two 25 basis point moves starting in March, and then I'll sit back and have a look at what the effect is. Now, remember, the world has huge amount of debt. Mm-hmm. at the consumer level and the government level. So an interest rate move ha- should have a disproportional impact, um, a rise, you know, should bite the market or bite growth mm-hmm. uh, more than, say, it might be when you're running a much lower debt level and you've got interest rates at 7% or something like that. Mm-hmm. So while some people are sort of panicking, you know, and saying, oh, well, the mar- that's going to kill the market, yeah, sure, you can kill the market with interest rates if the Fed wants to do something stupid and start mm-hmm. running, you know, half a percent interest rates through the system and, you know, really push up um, 
you know, interest rates. I just don't think they're going to do that. I, I expect about two moves of about, you know, 25 basis points each time. Mm-hmm. Will it worry the market? Might worry around the edges, mm-hmm. you know, for a month or something. But I think then you, the market will go back and say, yeah, but, you know, look at look at this lithium market or look at the changes here. It's much bigger than a, you know, it's not going to be dis- derailed by uh, a couple of 25 basis point interest rate moves in America. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my view at the moment. Um, and that's why I think it sits down for a while. You know, mm-hmm. te- technically the market, it looks due for a pullback, you know, mm-hmm. and it will probably look for an excuse. But, I mean, interest rates are still so low that as soon as you pulled the money out of the market and put it in the bank, you realise, hang mm-hmm. on a sec, if, in- if interest rates are so low that in terms of what I can earn in the bank and the inflation rate, even on the government numbers, is, is way above that, Mm-hmm. I'm losing money leaving it in the bank, you know? Mm-hmm. I mean, if you just take a stray, you can get hardly anything in the bank at the moment. And theoretically, you're meant to be running an inflation rate of, say, 2.3% in Australia. You know, well, <clears throat> it's just not happening. Go and buy and try and buy a land cruiser. Mm-hmm. You know, over here in Western Australia, you'll be paying $140,000 for a land cruiser. Go and get a haircut. A few years ago, I was paying... $20, now I'm paying $40 for a haircut. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm looking pretty cool though, Jazz, you know, for my $40 <laughs> haircut. But, but, but you know, um, it's just it's just not, tr- you know, the official RBA rate just isn't true with what's happening on the ground, you know. But that's, and, but, sorry, sorry, uh, Andrew, but isn't that the conundrum uh, to some extent? And you were um, last year before COVID or COVID period, the inflation numbers were really low, low, right? Yeah. And there was obviously a lot of QE that was being done, right? Yeah. And uh, uh, the interest rates went down all the way to almost zero, right? Yeah. So so, uh, heaps of QE, interest rates dropped all the way to zero and inflation print was uh, pretty low because of the COVID lockdown, right? Yeah. But now we are in a situation where the inflation print is high. QT talk has started uh, and interest rate rises are on the horizon. So it's a different scenario that we're dealing with. It's a different beast. Yeah. Because uh, the, there's an inflation print. I, I think I think the, the difference here is that there's an inflation print and the inflation print is pretty high. Yeah. Uh, and and we are, we're going to see, and when you look at the some of the charts like PMI and all, the, the, the there's, a, there's a possible economic slowdown if Fed was to continue with uh, its policy changes if it was to actually tighten, uh, increase the rates and tighten the monetary supply. Mm-hmm. How, how does, I mean, that's a, that, that's a different beast that you're dealing with altogether here. Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think to an extent um, that's the case, but I don't think it all comes down to how aggressive are these central banks going to be mm-hmm. in terms of what it should stop this. I think most of the inflation is supply side. You know, it's due to COVID, a little bit due to oil as well. And I'd say also um, problems and sort of, you know, try to de- get new mines going. And uh, and I, so I think interest rates, you could, you could um, probably a pretty blunt instrument to address this inflation. Mm-hmm. You know, if you want to get inflation down is what mm-hmm. I'm saying. And I don't think 
they will aggressively do it while COVID's still floating around, is my view. So I'm not overly concerned that they'll go in, blunder, blunder around and lift interest rates and quantitatively tighten the bond market to an extent that drives the stock market way down fast, you know. Mm-hmm. I so mean, there may be a bit of a pullback, but not a major um, crash. I don't think, you know, provided they don't do anything stupid, which I don't think they're going to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if if history is of any guidance, Paul Walker at his time increased the interest rate to 200 basis point in one night from memory, if it was. Yeah, but you're looking at Volcker's probably one of the most aggressive interest rate moves in history, you know, mm-hmm. and, and they were facing a very, very strong, you know, we'll start, they didn't have COVID in the background, so they didn't have that bigger unknown. Mm-hmm. Um, but they were facing very, you know, strong interest rates with start or strong inflation rates that were really starting to run away so mm-hmm. they needed to hit the market very hard mm-hmm. to kill kill that inflation rate um i don't think they need to to hit it they need to hit it but they need to give it a passing glancing punch not a knockout punch put it that way right. at least at this stage uh-huh. i mean if, if we suddenly saw inflation jump in a month you know five and then was drifting up to 10 percent. sure they need to get more aggressive but i don't think they need to right now i mean there are other other things sort of pushing against inflation which are you know things like this technology that i talk about that um, should start to reduce some of the costs as well you know it's a longer term aspect but ai and things um might start to make things a bit cheaper. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Um, so, so I, I think Volcker's situation when he did have to move aggressively on interest rates was sort of a different situation. You had to kill it, then it was out of control. You know, mm-hmm. I don't think it's out of control yet. Right. So, your, in your uh, opinion, uh, it's the resources sector that will outperform in twenty twenty two. Um, I, I still like it, even though it's moved. I mean, look, I mean, I play just on a private basis the resources sector quite a quite often, and I mean, what you've got that margin expansion by the electrification and automation of the industry, mm-hmm. but um, <clears throat> excuse me, um, if you if you look at them trying to get a mine going in Europe. Or mm-hmm. they try to get a mine going in um, America. These mm-hmm. green green groups are now just so strong. You know, you've got a, mm-hmm. um, a you know, a frog walks by your mine, and that will add ten years to your you know development timeline. Mm-hmm. You, know? Um, you know, there's so they're so strong. You wind up in court to get anything started over there. I really I view America and Europe as mining jurisdictions, really as this almost the same way as, as you'd previously look at Africa in terms of sovereign risk. Mm-hmm. It's slightly different type of sovereign risk, mm-hmm. um, but it's still definitely there. And that adds cost. And I think then you go and you look at Australia and you say, well, you know, it's much easier. To, it's not, not easy, but it is easier relatively to get a mine started in Australia. I still think it's a good place to be looking 
for opportunities, you know, because the supply side response from from places like the US, Europe, and uh, even Africa to an extent mm-hmm. is just not uh, not as strong because you've got so many sort of barriers, mm-hmm. different barriers in in Africa, but um, particular barriers in Europe and um, and America. So. I would continue to look locally at these companies. I, I think, you know, obviously Australian mining is very linked in with China and you get comments that China will go backwards because of the huge debt and things like that. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think they'll hold it together. I think there's still a huge opportunity in China. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm not particularly worried about that. In fact, <clears throat> I would rather be focused on say if we're looking at lithium or inputs to the um new age ev market i'd rather be in with a company linking up with china than mm-hmm. in with a company that's linking up with europe for example i think the european manufacturers with the possible exception of um of vw and tesla when it gets its german factory started Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, in t- uh, uh, don't realise it yet, but are going to be absolutely hit by by the Chinese um, EVs coming into that market, and also the way both Tesla and the Chinese are much better positioned for lithium and battery supply mm-hmm. um, and other inputs to for batteries. That I think strategically you want to be sort of still locked in with the Chinese. Mm-hmm. I think, I mean, the the Chinese car ownership. Is is about the same uh, in terms of gross numbers as American, you know, number of cars in American, number of cars in China, mm-hmm. very roughly. But if you look at it, the ownership on a per capita basis, mm-hmm. Chinese car ownership is ten times less than America, mm-hmm. you know, which just gives you a sort of idea of of just how much. Even if it goes to you know, sort of less than if even it goes to five times, it's still a massive market. Mm-hmm. Um, so they've still got a lot of growth there. Um, the other thing about the materials sector is you've still got some areas of slower growth in the world. Obviously, it depends on interest rates, as we've been discussing. But you tend to think that the, one of the ways the governments will continue to try and manage that COVID slowdown is through more infrastructure spending. And I think in in uh, that should uh, sort of help underpin some of the demand um, for minerals. You know, you saw iron ore pull back sort of in the last year, but then more recently you've seen it start to pull up again as the market realised, well, hang on, these guys are not really going to let this all fall over. Mm-hmm. I've got come out with uh, the checkbook and build bridges and um, and other infrastructure assets mm-hmm. that need need minerals so i still like i like it as an area i think it's still got a long way to go i think particularly domestically in australia i mean having said that you still need the right company and the right management and someone that's going to embrace the new technologies so they can expand the margins mm-hmm. as well um but but um i think uh, that's still an area i'd be looking in Mm-hmm. So knowing what's known with the possible Fed policy changes, interest rates, and the inflation print, uh, what are your thoughts on the uh, commodities sector this year, even the likes of precious metals, all and all? Uh, where do you see that? 
you know, my my if we start off a gold sort of talking inflation, I mean, you know, I, I recommend to people to hold a little bit of gold, you know, in their portfolios, maybe up to about three percent in super. But that said, I haven't been that startled with the way gold has performed. I mean, if you run a scenario where inflation is starting to take off mm-hmm. and then gold is meant to be the ultimate inflation hedge, mm-hmm. you know, gold has done hardly anything in my view. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not saying that next week it might it mightn't do a lot more, but but I don't know. It's almost like there's a whole generation that doesn't really understand gold, you know. Mm-hmm. And so... Do I, do I like it? I've got a bit of African gold in new producers at the moment that I'm holding quite happy with, but I'd kind of rather play the industrial metals side because uh, mm-hmm. I think it might have a bit more leverage, you know? Mm-hmm. I wouldn't stay entirely out of gold, but I, I just think sometimes when something hasn't performed very well, mm-hmm. and it should have, that's usually a negative sign, you know? Mm-hmm. Yep, fair enough. Um, so... Within the EV space, uh, any particular stocks uh, that you think uh, have got a fair bit of upside? Or, uh, well, yeah, I mean, the obvious, the obvious one that everybody talks about in terms of America is Tesla, and it's yeah. been overvalued. You know, actually, when I was working for a broking firm, I had to run the US recommendations. Mm-hmm. And very early on, I recommended a very young and starting up company called Tesla as a buy and I, I, I cop so much flack off the floor for doing that that mm-hmm. I eventually took it out of the list. I just like, no amount of money is worth, worth facing all this criticism, you know? <laughs> I mean, people were literally laughing at me, you know, no, no car companies, uh, you know, in America has done any good for 50 years, mm-hmm. you know, EVs are uh, useless. They, They'll run out of batteries by the time you get to the end of the street. Just every comment against it, mm-hmm. um, and and of course that you know it's massively priced now. One of the best performing stocks in history. Mm-hmm. Is that over? You know, I, I don't have any Tesla, but is it over? Listening to the quarterly, um, just in the last couple of weeks, I think Elon Musk is a complete genius. I think. Uh, there's a very good article that you should read that was done in the 1980s mm-hmm. by um, on strategic intent out of Harvard Business School yep. by a guy called Hamill. Mm-hmm. And it was it's a way of tackling existing markets with new technology mm-hmm. and it uses a lot of, Jap- of the Japanese experience with um, cars and attacking markets. Mm-hmm. Well worth getting hold of a copy if you can. Um, mm-hmm. I think you can buy it buy it on the net for about five bucks or something mm-hmm. if you look at tesla it's probably the the best most classic strategic intent attack on a market in history mm-hmm. you know now now can he they pull off ai can they pull off this robotics thing that they can do um you know i wouldn't bet against the guy i just hold it i think if, if you're going to you know buy a stock for your kids buy i'd buy a bit and just leave it there you know, I think that as they get grow up, they'll uh, they'll thank you. The only risk is that you know something happens to Elon, of course. Mm-hmm. But even even uh, you know if they achieve half of what they're setting out to achieve, um, and you just wouldn't want to back, you know not back him at the moment. I think Tesla could go even higher. You know, mm-hmm. um, 
so so I'm still quite comfortable with that. In terms of sitting here in Australia, though, to play, I I still think that li, um, lithium stocks. People say, oh, it's you know going to go down. I don't think it is. I think it's going to keep going up. Mm-hmm. Um, my my premise for that is that I don't think the adoption of EVs is going to be linear in terms of market. I think it's going to turn and become exponential. Mm-hmm. which means that there'll be a sudden burst of demand for lithium and for EVs. In other words, you know, today you're going, oh, I'll go out and buy an internal combustion engine car, an ice car or a diesel car, that's fine. And in a few years, that would just look stupid. Why would you do that? Mm-hmm. And, and then suddenly people will realise, you know, it's like, w- would you go and buy an old Nokia now or would you go and buy a new smartphone, you know? It's just mm-hmm. not even a consideration. Mm-hmm. And I think EVs will do that as well. So I'd continue to play the inputs and, you know, going with this materials theme, mm-hmm. even, even though it seems like it's already a trod, trodden on sort of path. Mm-hmm. And I still think it's got further to go. But that, that said, you, you have to pick the right companies, the ones going into production, mm-hmm. management that knows what it's doing. I mean, one thing I've been, Noticing particularly with copper companies in Australia, I mean, God, Jazz, you know, those copper companies particularly, they love to drill. They hate to mine. You know, I'm sick of it, you know? Mm -hmm. So go and find a company with a board that says, we we intend to mine this darn thing. We're going to do something with it. We're not just going to endlessly spend the next 20 years drilling it out, you know? Mm -hmm. And avoid those because... If you get into those, you're really just playing the commodity and anything could happen with the commodity. That said, um, I mean, probably moving away from copper and 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 um, lithium, you could, I'd be a bit wary on nickel. Mm-hmm. I think that the market is getting too excited about nickel and its use in EVs. I think it's going to underperform in future. The nickel mm-hmm. price is still very high. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't be surprised if that comes down as I think the battery technology, unless something completely comes out of left field, mm-hmm. becomes um, lithium iron phosphate batteries and not the uh, lithium nickel batteries, nickel cobalt. I don't like cobalt that much. Mm-hmm. I don't like nickel that much in terms of where you're buying in. I think you're probably buying in close to the top of the nickel market. I'd be a bit careful in that area in materials. Right. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, you did mention about some of the market ratios like Cape Schiller and Buffet Indicator and all of that. Obviously, they're still relatively pretty high, even though after this minor pullback. Um, and you also did mention about that there's a possibility that the market will still move higher. Uh, even after all these announcements by uh, Fed, I'm I'm really saying part of the market will, right? Um, uh, in my view, this new technology. So you you go to have, uh, let's say we have two rubbish companies. One company goes, we're developing a driverless rubbish truck that we're going to move all of our people, our 500 rubbish truck drivers, onto automated system. Mm-hmm. There'll be no, you know we'll get rid of all of those people. Mm-hmm. And then you've got another rubbish truck company that says, oh, uh, that'll never happen. We're not going to bother with that. Um, you know, it's pie in the sky. Um, we're going to keep all our staff. 
Mm-hmm. Now, if you split the market into sort of those two groups, mm-hmm. be with the side that's going with the automation. Mm-hmm. Like if you had two parallel universes, you had one Fortescue going hell for leather for driverless hall packs, which they are doing. Mm-hmm. And, um, and then another Fortescue that says, no, that's never going to work. We're just going to go with the old paying someone, you know, 150000 a year to drive around in, in circles in a hall back, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, then, you know, it's chalk and cheese what you'd invest in. So, so mm-hmm. I think that's where the market splits rather than going, all right, the market's overvalued, which on traditional measures, yes, it is lots of it. I'd say that sort of traditional Fortescue is well and truly overvalued because it's got to get hit mm-hmm. by that new new Fortescue that's going down the road of, you know, electric call packs and things. I think you can divide the whole market in that mm-hmm. in that direction and say, okay, yeah, sure, some of it, maybe half the market, the old traditional automakers are going to wind up with a lot of, you know, stranded assets. I mean, imagine having a billion dollars in a factory designed to, to produce ice cars mm-hmm. and going, you know, we have to totally change that factory into a factory that produces EVs. And not only that, we've got to do it against the Chinese that are producing, you know, hundreds of thousands of these EVs on their domestic market and are brilliantly positioned with all the inputs and they've got huge volumes of, of um, mm-hmm. already. So that's the one comp- one side of the competition. The other side of the competition we've got to go against is a, a guy called Elon Musk is probably the greatest financial genius um, in terms of running companies alive today. You know, I mean, they don't have an easy task. Mm-hmm. And they're almost at a disadvantage because they've got so many sunk costs. Mm-hmm. Same with the oil companies. Um, you know, you look at some of the oil companies sort of pushing hydrogen because it seems a mm-hmm. little bit closer to something you pump, you know. I mean, they could wind up with a lot of, um, you know, sort of uh, costs that are sunk and stranded assets. I mean, oil might have a last hurrah at some stage. You know, it has a bit of a last hurrah now. Mm -hmm. But it's not – oil isn't the kind of thing you want to buy grandchildren and say, "Yeah, well, you know, when these guys are – when these grandkids are my age, they'll be really pleased that I put all all the family fortunes into this oil company. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's just on the way out. Yeah. You have to keep a very open mind with these. There goes my dog. But uh, mm-hmm. you have to keep a very open mind with these kind of new technology. The normal thing is to dismiss them out of, you know, out of, straight out. No, nah, that'll never happen. But mm-hmm. it does. And when it happens, it happens very quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, and then all those people that denied at the beginning go silent. I've uh-huh. seen it over and over again, you know. Mm-hmm. I mean, just with all new technology, it's always, no, that's ridiculous, Mm -hmm. you know. And um, a guy like Elon would see that all the time. Yeah. From EVs to AI to building rocket ships, you know, and yet he's done all. Uh Um, So that's a way to look at the market in those mm -hmm. sort of disrupted and disruptor sort of uh, company. Fair enough. But do you see these ratios getting reset at some some point by further drops? Uh, I, I see that if we talk again about the traditional Fortescue, mm-hmm. yes, yes, I see them getting hit. Right. And the new Fortescue not. Because ultimately you're forced to introduce this new technology. Let's mm-hmm. say we wake up, you run a company that, that moves, um, mm-hmm. you can't really do it at the moment because of the floods, but moves 
moves trucking goods across the Nullarbor into Western Australia. Mm -hmm. Now, um, you've got one company that's going to use labour and pay the guy 100 grand a year and another one that that adopts, you know, driverless uh, trucks and doesn't pay anything for uh, labour. Mm. You know, now, now one company is going to send the other company broke, you know. It, it mightn't do it instantly, but it's going to eventually do it. Mm -hmm. And it's the same with mining companies. You've got one iron ore mine with um, paying their, their haulback drivers, you know, 100, 150,000 a year. Another one that doesn't have haulback drivers, mm -hmm. you know, just goes around and it's all run from Perth. I mean, literally jazz, like I remember saying that the mining industry would go automated probably only about three years ago. And people literally on LinkedIn like abused me and laughed at me. Ah, oh, that's never gonna happen. <laughs> well, you know, well, here we are, um, you know, three odd years later, and you know, mm -hmm. even Caterpillar's got 500 operating purely autonomous haul packs in the world working today. Mm -hmm. So, you know, you don't have a choice to adopt adopt those new technologies, even if you think they're the way you've got to be on the front foot with that. That's why you've got to look at the board. And are they working on these things? Are they adopting these new things? Mm -hmm. Are they moving into position or are they just going um, down the same old road? Because if they are, they're on the way out. Mm -hmm. you know? I mean, if you look at the big general motors to an extent, BMWs, uh, maybe Ford to a lesser extent, I mean, they really got caught. They're probably five years behind where they should be if they want to take on tesla and the chinese you know mm -hmm. and trying to play play catch up in the in this area is almost impossible mm -hmm. you know, very hard mm -hmm. you know and um so you've got to look at what is the board's attitude you know how on the edge of these new technologies are they so mm -hmm. to sort of answer your question these old world companies there might be some banks as well caught up in that old old world kind of market as well as car manufacturers Mm -hmm. um, that you know, um, that uh, you know, the banks might get hit by some of these new fintech companies that are making inroads into them. You know, you've got to divide the market and say, okay, their valuation will come down, and they should come down. You know, mm -hmm. exactly like if you had Kodak and you know they had old cameras, and then another company had digital cameras. You know, can yeah. the the future is pretty obvious now. You've just got to have faith that it will occur and that's just a question of time yeah. i mean if, if you say well automation or automated cars will never work on the road and then you go okay well i can go to a port in europe or china now and those ports are fully automated to an extent where a person is not allowed on the ports no humans on the port mm -hmm. right because it's all automated you know and i can go to a mine mm -hmm. where every haul pack on that mine is automated Mm -hmm. You know, it's starting, it's obvious enough, you know, it's like, as I say, you saw a few Teslas and a few more and a few more, a few iPhones and a few more and a few more. Mm -hmm. You can see a few automated cars off-road or trucks off-road mm -hmm. and, and you'll see a few more and a few more and then one day you'll go, go, I just popped into one of those new, you know, driverless taxis today mm -hmm. and, um, and, and it's all here by then, you know, for your company to move in, it's too late. The company has to be moving into it now. Mm -hmm. So let's say from a portfolio perspective, because uh, of the fear of the policy changes and all, if the investor is sitting 100% in cash today, right? Yeah. 
how would you go about again this is not a financial advice no one is a financial advisor over here but how would you go about allocating the cash in the current market and what what percentages will it be well you you, you probably it's one of those things you probably should have already been there you know because mm-hmm. the market has moved a bit mm-hmm. I, I often say if you're starting off and you want to run your own portfolio for mm-hmm. a start there's no there's no substitute for work jazz you know I mean, people think you just make money magically by trading in the stock market. You don't. You have to work your guts out. Most successful traders I know are incredibly hardworking, incredibly sort of committed to the market. It's a sort of almost an obsession. But -hmm. if you want to start off down that road, start Mm -hmm. off every day. There are many announcements on the ASX Mm -hmm. at sort of five, five, six o'clock or wherever you are. Spend mm-hmm. the evening going through all the interesting announcements. Just get a list of today's announcements mm-hmm. and read all the ones that you're interested. Let's say you're a, ge- a geologist, read all the ones on geology. You know, so mm-hmm. you've got a bit, a bit of an edge or you're into computers, read all the computer ones. Mm-hmm. After a while, after a few months of doing that, you'll begin to find companies who go, God, look, people don't realize that this, you know, this company's got huge potential. Mm-hmm. And I've been, you know, sort of reading the announcement for, for ages. So once you've got onto a company and you think, well, it might have some potential, look at the market cap of the company and you go, mm-hmm. well, gee, you know, this company could make millions and it's only valued at a market cap of 10 or 15 million mm-hmm. you know, and, and start off and go through the process like that. But mm-hmm. there's no substitute for doing that work every day looking through all the announcements and going. And after a while, you naturally move to a sector and learn about it. You'll mm-hmm. begin to understand it. You'll build your edge. And, mm-hmm. you know, after a while, you'll, be, you'll begin to see things that you sort of wouldn't have ordinarily noticed, you know, mm-hmm. like a few Teslas and a few more Teslas, you know, yeah. or a few iPhones, a few more iPhones, or, mm-hmm. or, or you'll read something in a magazine about an electric car, driverless hall pack, and you go, Gee, you know, I was just reading about a company that was totally going into that. Their margins are going to expand quite a lot in the future, you know. Mm-hmm. You will like the product that they're producing um, and start to build a picture for yourself mm-hmm. and then move into the market. But watch your position size, and particularly while you're learning. Mm-hmm. The way, you know, you see a lot of people um, go, go poorly by going, all right, I've got 50 grand to invest, so I've got, Let's see, you know, uh, 45,000 in this company that I really love and 5,000 left over, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and then that, they're, they're wrong and they're wiped out of the game. Mm-hmm. Don't, don't do that if you've got 50,000. Say, okay, I re- I've been watching this company for months. I like it. I know what the catalysts are. I mm-hmm. think it's got really good board. Um, I will put $5,000 into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And then suddenly you're, and your dollar and then sort of six months goes buying your dollar share was is up around a dollar fifty and it is the story on track. Mm-hmm. Yes, they're starting to introduce more more hall packs. They're starting to expand another mine because the mm-hmm. margins are more workable, you know, at these at these lower cost um mm-hmm. you know mining operations. Mm-hmm. And then you go in and go, all right, well I'll buy another four or five thousand at a dollar fifty now mm-hmm. and average up. So I'm comfortable with averaging up, but don't average down, could you? Very often when you do that, you're, you can get away with it sometimes, but you have to really know what you're doing. You know? mm-hmm. um, so, so start off with that. And I mean, there's no substitute for the, 
the work. You know, it's the same with it. It's the same with anything. You know, yeah. I mean, if you want to be a carpenter, you go. How do you become a carpenter? Well, do it every day and work really hard, mm. and you'll become a good carpenter. There's no magic to it. Same with the same with stocks. Bang on. Um, in the current market, in the current environment that we are in, right? Mm. What percentage of your portfolio should be in cash? In other words, how much risk query should investors be in of the current landscape, whether it's the Russia-Ukraine thing or whether it's the Fed tightening or whether it's the interest rates, right? What percentage should be cash? All right. Well, I'll say what I'm doing. I'm, a, I'm always very conservative. I don't want to get wiped out ever. I want virtually zero risk to be wiped out. So I want to hold a lot of cash to maintain my lifestyle without being impacted. Even mm. if I, I mean, you can never certainly know what's going to happen in the, in the future of the markets, all probability, you know, mm -hmm. but I mean, marshes could land tomorrow and take over the world and suddenly the stock market drops. You mm. just don't know, you know, to mm. take a ridiculous example, but, um, mm -hmm. you know, weird things happen. So you can't, 100% say, oh, the market's cheap value, you know, mm -hmm. and therefore uh, I can really go for it. So where am I at the moment? I'm sitting about 50% cash, 50% stocks. Mm -hmm. But the stocks I have are fairly aggressive, vol mm -hmm. you know, volatile stocks. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm by nature conservative for two reasons. One, that's my nature. And two, you know, 30 years of doing this, you you see a lot of people get wiped out and you begin to go, why do they get wiped out? And often it's because they just didn't look at their position sizing. They took too big a risk. Mm -hmm. You know, um, if you lose half your portfolio value, it means you've got to make, you know, to get your money back, you've got to make a hundred percent on what you've got left. That is very, very hard. Yep. You want to avoid that all the time. So watch your position sizing and always under trade a bit, you know, um, rather than overtrade, because mm. the guys that lose at the end of the day, guys and girls that lose at the end of the day, are the people that get really enthusiastic about something, you know, put way too much of their money in it and get wiped out. Mm -hmm. And if you get wiped out, you can't play anymore. So you've lost all your future returns as well. Mm -hmm. So that's what I'd say. So, you know, personally, I'm about 50 50. Now, that would be seen as ultra conservative by, say, uh, a superannuation company that might have long term, but I mean, I don't know. That's what I'm comfortable with at the moment. That's what I sort of feel, uh, given given the valuation of the market, the way you have to sort of look at a bit of a minefield of, you know, disruptor and disrupted kind of stocks as well. Mm -hmm. Three favorite stock picks, Andrew, if you have any. Oh, what do I like at the Can moment? Can be any market. Uh I like I like CXO, which is a stock that I ho I'm holding at the moment from a lot lower. I bought in, which is a, a company in the Northern Territory going going into um, lithium production. Already has a offtake agreement with a Chinese company. That Chinese company supplies Tesla, so mm -hmm. I like CXO as a stock. Um, uh, that said, it's not not going to be volatile. It will be volatile. Mm -hmm. um, what else do I like? Uh, uh, as a real spec, I like Infinity Lithium that's being INF, mm -hmm. that is being caught up in Spain fighting the 
greenies and the local council to get their mind going. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's going to be a very binary sort of investment. It's either going to fly if they get the okay on the mine or completely crash. Mm-hmm. So I think, uh, you know, a small, if you're a speculative trader, that stock is worth looking at. I, I like what the management has done in the face of very hard sort of conditions to get something going in Europe. Mm-hmm. Um, what would I put in third? I probably like, I still like Lake if it can get its direct lithium extraction um, up and running. And that's a question at the moment. So I'm talking mainly sort of lithium um, sort of exposures um, uh, that, I'd, that I'd still be keen on at the moment. But I'd say, you know, it, don't expect it not to be volatile. You're, you're, you're um, trading in rough seas, if you like, in terms of these um, big uh, technology transitions. Um, if you want sort of very conservative kind of stocks, mm-hmm. still comfortable with the big end of the mining industry, you know, the big BHPs of the world, Mm-hmm. those kind of stocks. Um, some of the US big end technology companies like um, Alphabet, you know, the old Google. I think uh, if you look at AI, you kind of, okay, it's, it's a little bit there at the moment, but if they ever crack AI to an extent where it becomes, you know, sort of artificial general intelligence, Mm-hmm. It's going to be so impacting that you almost have to have some exposure in it, mm-hmm. even if it's risky. And if I was going to go and get some exposure in it, I'd probably look at the very big end US technology companies, you know, like like Alphabet. So just to have a bit of an interest in that that area because it could be so impacting. Mm-hmm. So, but as I say, don't you know, go and find your own stocks by reading the. Uh, ASX announcement every day and you'll find something that you know about that that you already you know you're an engineer or a geologist or a doctor mm-hmm. and you and it'll suddenly stand out to you you know it might be a, a doctor and you suddenly go god this is exactly what we need in there my my medical pr- you know practice and uh, yeah. and you'll understand all about it and that will give you an edge in the market mm-hmm. and then start to watch it and go from there fair enough last question uh, your take on crypto markets? Okay, you're gonna you're gonna hate me on this, Jazz. <laughs> okay, I hate crypto. <laughs> I'm so I, I just I, I want to swear, but it's probably a family show. So <laughs> many people have asked me about crypto. Look, I'm not saying you didn't make you know money on it in the past, and um, you know people have, but but you know. I mean, I've, I've, I mean, there are literally thousands of, of crypto products out. And sure, you know, Bitcoin and things probably might have a future. Mm-hmm. Just don't like it. Don't know how to value it. Um, and, and remember, I'm always looking at things of, you know, do I understand this against? Do I not understand it? Do I, I've got, you know, X amount of money. I've got a choice of all these different investments. That, you know, th- literally thousands that you can invest in. Mm-hmm. And so for me, I go crypto, you know, what's this real intrinsic value? Kind of nothing, you know, um, in terms of what it sort of does. All right, people argue with me and go, oh, it's a store of value, you know, it's another currency, blah, blah, blah. But I'd rather go, 
uh, give me a company, you know, producing uh, or going into lithium, you know, production, you know, linked in with the Chinese. Um, you know, it's producing something, it's changing the world, and I know about it, you know, so I'd rather go there. So mm-hmm. that's sort of my view on, you know, if you're an absolute ex- expert on crypto and you can work out which ones are good in the 5,000 cryptos that are out there and the ones that they make up every day, you know, yeah. they make a new one, then go for it, you know. Mm-hmm. It's the same if, you know, you're an, you're a builder and you're an expert on housing construction, you know, and mm-hmm. housing developments, you know, mm-hmm. stay in that area and work on that. Don't go into the stock market. Sure. It'll build your knowledge edge. So that would be my view on crypto. I don't really like it. Yeah, competency edge. Um, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so I'm talking for myself. I'm not saying if you're an if you're an expert and you understand it a lot better than me, don't do anything in it. Mm-hmm. You know, and what it, I mean, quite often as an advisor, you get asked, "Well, what should I do?" And and you go, "Well, I don't really like it, but you know, um, adjust your position sizing if you really want some and." Buy a small amount, buy half the position that you normally would. So I've got an interest, you know, a year or two will go by, you'll know so much more more about it. Nothing makes you learn more about an investment than having, you know, some money in it, you know, yeah. or having money, a bit of money on the, or in the investment. Suddenly you're, you're paying a lot more attention and learning about it, you know, Jazz. Yeah, fair point. I appreciate your time, Andrew. Anything else that you would like to add um, from listeners? Or- only that... Don't listen to all the pessimism. You know, it's a t- it's a tough time. There's debt around and things on and COVID, of course, which makes it tough for people. But on the other side, it's like one of the most exciting periods in history with this new technology. Keep an open mind and keep watching it, getting involved in it. Mm-hmm. Makes it a very exciting time. I think think things could get a lot better. Yeah. Not worse, but better. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Awesome. All right. Really appreciate your time, mate. Thanks for jumping on once again. I'm sure listeners are going to enjoy the content. To the listeners, none of this is financial advice. Do your own research. Fly safe, stay safe, and we will see you guys soon again.